Hi, welcome to Promo Insiders, a podcast from ASI Media that covers the topics that matter most to the promotional products industry. I'm CJ Mitica, ASI Media Editor-in-Chief, and today we're discussing our biggest project of the year, Counselor's annual State of the Industry issue. In this episode, we'll look at the most eye-popping statistics from the report and the biggest trends that are turning the promo industry on its head. I'm joined by Nate Kuzma, ASI's Executive Director of Market Research and Corporate Marketing, and Chris Rubo, Digital News Director, to unpack all of it. Gentlemen, welcome. Hey, CJ. Siege. How's it going, guys? Yeah, excited to talk some SOI. There's so much good stuff in here I think is going to be of interest to people. Yeah, this is the first, you know, it's once a year. Once a year we get to, we, only once a year can you release it. So I'm always excited when we do that. Guys, when we didn't practice, there was more enthusiasm. It's not showing through. We, we need we need <laughs> to do it again. Just just kidding, Melissa. Don't edit that that out. Um, no, we're <laughs> we're we're excited to talk about SOI. Uh, last year, when we do it, and it nearly put put Nate and the rest of us in the grave. Uh, so this year was a much more seamless process. With thankfully, without a pandemic to 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 wrench our carefully laid plans. Um, of course, it's our sorry, it is our biggest biggest issue of the of the year. We spend months um, researching it, reporting it. And we're going to today dive into the, the biggest um, statistics and topics that are that are of interest. Um, before I start, just uh, just a, a couple notes. Um, you can access access our full report a couple ways. So if you're a print subscriber, you can find, you, you will get it in your mail in just a in just, probably right about now when this episode co- comes out. And if you're a digital subscriber, um, you can go to asicentral.com/soi2021. Or go to our homepage; it'll be uh, plastered all over. You you won't you won't you will you won't be able to mi- to miss it. Um, so just to start off with, guys, and, um, and and Nate, we can start with you since you since you spearhead this report from the beginning. What was your biggest takeaway from this year's SOI survey? You know, it, it's interesting because every year you go into this study. We've been doing this study going on you know fifteen years now, I believe, and uh, I've been involved in it for seven or about seven years now. And there's always very minor changes every year because you kind of know what's going to happen, right? This industry, while it changes, it doesn't exactly change greatly unless there's a big disruptive thing to the industry. Well, we had that this year, right? And it's the first time that any of us have ever actually lived through it. So I don't know that I would necessarily say it was a surprise as much as I would say I had no idea what to expect this year when we fielded the study. You know, one of the um, joys of my job, and I, and I legitim- legitimately mean this, is that I try not to make judgments about what I think is going to happen because I'm going to be wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this year, I didn't even have to make that conscious uh, decision because I had no idea what was going to happen. I didn't know what the leading markets were going to be. I didn't know what the leading products were going to be. I didn't know what was going to happen in terms of like you know profit margins or turnaround time or anything like that. We get to see all that, and it was a you know it's a it's a different year than anyone that I think we've ever experienced. So I guess you could say my biggest surprise is that um, everything, because we didn't know what was going to happen, and that's what this report really shows. It really was an unpredictable year. Yeah, I, and I agree that certainly this year was far from from business as usual when it comes to the findings of, of this report. Uh, Chris, what what about you? What, what was your big, biggest takeaway? Mine, first off, I would concur with me. I was going to give a similar answer saying that this was almost, it wasn't quite a, a tabula rosa blank slate, but in some ways it was. We just, we just didn't know uh, like what was going to come back. We, we, you know, we had some sense, I, you know, that it wasn't good, obviously, from all our reporting for the past year, but the particulars were still, we had to fill in. And, 
it was very hard to hedge your bets ahead of time. So I would, I would agree with that, that, that it was just, you know, what the heck is, is, is happening here? But in a positive sense, I would say maybe my biggest takeaway is that the industry was, quote, only down 20%. And I think given that, you know, the lifeblood of what so many of um, distributors do, which is selling for events and, and, and providing merchandise tied to some kind of in-person happening, but that completely was obliterated and went off the map, right, um, for most of 2020. The mm -hmm. fact that the industry was collectively down, I think it was 19.8% to be exact, was actually quite remarkable and spoke to how much our industry, um, you know, pivoted to other uh, other types of solutions for clients, which I know we're going to get more into to later. But I, I, I was impressed by that, that it was that it was only down 20, where there was a point in the year where I was doing reporting, where executives were, were, were anticipating 50% for, for the industry year-over-year year year sales. And some at points last year, experienced 80% drops in their particular business for periods of time. So the fact we're only down 20, I think, is a is a big takeaway and, and, and speaks to resiliency. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah, it's, a, it's interesting because if you like just look back at the entirety of 2020 and to sum it up in one figure, it, it really doesn't tell the whole whole story. And, and you know, obviously, Nate, Nate was privy to this by measuring the, the results of the industry month by month and quarter by quarter. But to say, look at the end, say twenty, just just down twenty percent. You know, it's like as if it were a straight line. When when in reality, it was a roller coaster <laughs> yes, that people yes. were holding on to for dear life. Yes, yes. <laughs> right. I think I think second quarter last year, right, Nate was down almost forty five percent for just it was for that quarter year. Forty four point four percent. It was a crazy. It was a yeah. You know, up to that, up till up through Q one of twenty twenty, right when it was down about five, a little bit under six percent. That was the first time since I've been working at ASI, and that dates back to uh, Q1 of 2014, that we actually did not uh, report a increase. I mean, we reported some small increases, 1.5%, 1.9%, things like that. Mm -hmm. But this was the first time where I actually, where I actually had to, you know, report to the, you know, leadership of ASI. We're down. Yeah. The industry, the industry is down, and that just sort of set the stage for Q2 when it was. Um, for, it, it was a bigger crash than I think anybody could have believed. Obviously, in the moment, we knew it was going to be bad. But when, mm -hmm. but when you know the, the metrics came out and the, the research was rolling in, it was just it was it was incredibly eye opening. It's like one of those things where, at least in an industry specific sense, it's going to be like how people experienced the nineteen twenty nine stock stock market crash. It'll be like, where were you when that happened? And like, sure. like what? Like it's it'll be one of those things that's like a demarcation line that people will. People in this industry will talk about, you know, almost forever for the foreseeable future going forward, you know, that, that yeah. quarter. Yeah. And I, I, I like the idea of a demarcation line because it really sort of informed the reporting that we did this year. And it's just sort of how, how I think you, our readers, should approach our stated industry package. Um, because it's really sort of a, a moving target. So, the, you know, we have data from, from 2020. And in some, some cases, like that that tells us a story that's going to continue into this year and beyond. In other cases, though, I think we're going to look at it as sort of a very, as an isolated anomaly, a one-time mm -hmm. one-time blip. And I think the, the the trick is to determine, well, okay, what which of these trends are 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 going to continue for the foreseeable future, and and which, which ones aren't. And and that and that's why, and I think that's something we're going to talk about when we talk about uh, all these different all these different to topics. And concerns. Um, you know, the, the the interesting thing, the first topic that I want to bring up is something that wasn't 
really concerned last year, but was born out of the pandemic. And that's the, the supply chain crisis, the, the problems we're seeing right now with, with inventory. Thanks, guys. This has been good. fun. I'm, I'm <laughs> out now. <laughs> I mean, I'm living this, I'm living this 25 hours a day right now. I know. Chris, Chris, Chris is our, our boots on the ground, our eyes in the sky. He, he's got it covered every, every which, which way. So, uh, you know, so we'll, so I want to start off by with this, with this first, first chart. Cause I, cause we know how, how bad it is, but it was interesting to see some, the no, numbers be, behind it. So we'll start off with this, with this for, First one, which we can just leave up for a second here. Um, so, what do these issues have been a growing concern over the the past six months? And we reported we we, we reported this earlier this year when, when we got got the results. Ninety five percent of of respondents agreed that that apparel shortages, hard goods shortages, and hard goods prices were a growing issue. Ninety one percent said apparel prices were a growing issue. So that's that's pretty prevalent, I, I, I would say. Nate, I know you, I know you reported these numbers; they're not shocking. But what, what what do you what do you think about about these totals? First off, they are shocking to me. Like, <laughs> anytime you get a number at ninety percent or above on anything, right? That's staggering. Mm -hmm. um, God, looking back forwards, this man, I wish we would have had the force. The fourth all to ask these questions in 2019, so we had something to compare them to, right? Sure, yeah. right. But um, it those are those are huge numbers. It, you know, normally when something gets above like 75, percent that's of a concern to a, to a specific audience, whatever that audience is, right? Then it's um, then then it's something to really pay attention to. It's about 90 percent. Listen, that's near that's near universal at that point. That's a census, right? Every everybody's saying it. So that's what I would say with that. Those are. Those are staggering numbers. Now, when we do this again next year, maybe it'll get, maybe I can't get much worse, right? Maybe it'll get a little bit better. We'll find out. Um, but yeah, those are incredibly large numbers, and they're th that means those concerns are being that are being um, felt by everyone in the industry. Mm -hmm. So, uh, um, Melissa, feel free to take down the chart now. Melissa Newman is our is 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 the is the is the woman behind the board controlling everything. Uh, so, thank you, Melissa. Chris, um, though you know, obviously, you're like you said, you're living and breathing the, this stuff. You know, what um, what's the current what's the current situation, and and how do those numbers re resonate with what what you're what you've been reporting? Yeah, I think I think the data speaks for itself, and it certainly bears out what we're reporting, you know, on a, a twice weekly basis almost now um, from distributors and suppliers. What it really boils down to um, is that the world, the global supply chain, and that goes far beyond just the promo industry, is broken. There's just too much demand to get um, product from overseas where they're made to North America here where, where they're sold. Um, and there's also too much demand on, on raw material inputs. So when you have massive demand for shipping uh, containers and shipping space, massive demand for raw materials, it drives up prices exponentially, and it and it delays um, production. Maybe not exponentially, but significantly. And what that's resulting in for our industry is inventory shortfalls. Right, um, you just can't get the product here fast enough to restock, and it's making it much more expensive for suppliers and distributors who import directly to to create and fulfill a uh, product. So it, it's being felt universal. It's not something our industry can control. It's only something that you can mitigate to a degree. And as of right now, um, it's anticipated that the, the fourth quarter, 
could get even a little bit worse than what was seen earlier this year. And the reason for that is we're ramping up toward the holiday season where all your major retailers and, and everybody who imports is really looking to import massive amounts of inventory to be prepared for what's expected to be a pretty booming holiday season across the economy because of the economic recovery that's happening in the U.S. So um, I don't know if that's more than you wanted, but it kind of lays out like just just where yeah. things where, where where things stand. You know, it's, it's leading to inventory shortfalls, rising prices. And as of right now, I wouldn't expect any of those things to abate before sometime in 2022. So, so basically to sum up what Chris just said, buckle up. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Make sure your airbag works. <laughs> so let, um, I want to look at the next chart we have on this topic because actually I think it's my, my favorite, it's like the, my favorite like uh, pairing favorite story in, in this whole, whole thing. So um, the first one looks at the, the percentage of orders requiring five day turnaround or less. So basically rush orders, right? Mm -hmm. Well, in last year, you know, rush orders dropped nine percentage points from 37% to 28%. So, you know, only a little more than a quarter of the orders were, were rush orders. And yet the percentage of late orders increased four percentage points from, from 10% to 14%. So like, you know, all, all the time that I worked in this industry, it's been Rush orders are, are the cause of all these all these errors and 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 and, and you know late late orders because because suppliers are being pushed and pushed to turn turn them around quicker and yet the rush or, the rush orders lessened last year and we, we were still seeing the the these issues so I'll I'll start with you you Nate is, it, is this just a supply chain issue like why 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 did that happen Oh man this is a lot of issues here I mean so the thing that you you know the thing that comes out of this is also for the last several years, and there's been a few like you know variations here or there, but it's been pretty consistent, right? Almost straight line that the percentage of rush orders has steadily increased. The percentage of orders that people needed within five days has steadily increased. That has always been that's always been one of the mantras that we've always looked at, right? How the percentage of the percentage of orders and the speed of orders needed to keep increasing. Um, however, with that said, the number of orders that we that were you know delivered on time or on the you know uh, outburst delivered late had stayed very, very similar over the years, almost like unchanged. Sure. Um, you would know, you know, when you, when you throw those numbers in and then you see, well, the percentage of number of orders that were, you know, had to be rushed went down. Well, you would think that, you know, logically thinking, right, that the number of orders that were delivered on time would have gone up. It went it did the opposite. And I think that that speaks to things that, again, are somewhat within the control of this industry, but really might not be in some cases, right? It's shipping delays. There have been large-scale shipping delays that have not only impacted our industry, but have impacted the entire economy. That's an issue. Also, and this is not a surprise, there's labor shortages at suppliers. You know, distributors were somewhat more able, I guess you could say, to ramp up quicker, especially if they're small businesses. They did not have, generally speaking, mass layoffs. They didn't have furloughs. They didn't have people who they, you know, said, you can't come to the office, and therefore, you know, we have no orders, but... You know, when, when business came back, they were able to ramp up and get back to speed reasonably quickly. Suppliers, they had to furlough people, especially in Q2. If they were not involved in PPE, they didn't have business, right? Let's let's just throw that on the table. If you, that was Q2 of 2020 was PPE central. And if you had to furlough people, they could have gotten other jobs at that point. And, you know, now you're at the point where, depending on what the rate of pay is, if these people are collecting unemployment, it's hard to get them back without, again, increasing the pay dramatically. So it's been a much harder um, road to 
halt for the suppliers to get back up to speed. So listen, I'm not blaming the suppliers. This, this is beyond their control in many cases. But it's it's a reality that it's um it, it's something that went the opposite of what the numbers would mo- what one number would suggest. And, and I don't know that it's going to be abating anytime soon. Chris, what do you, what's your what's your what's your view on the situation? It, it, it's hard it's hard to have anything to add to that. I think Nate Nate hit it right on the head. Um, I, I think I would emphasize just maybe reemphasize that even if suppliers are getting that they have the inventory, get it produced and decorated and staged to go out the door. Once it leaves, it's ultimately up to that carrier to get it to it, its destination on time. And if you're, and if you, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that FedEx, UPS, USPS, they're having massive struggles in getting things on time because because of the huge increase in e-commerce that's happened in this in this nation. And they're just making so many more deliveries of little packages here and there, one-off deliveries, that their networks are, are essentially overwhelmed. So it's. It's not that a supplier is is skimping or, or necessarily being lazy. You know, they might be getting everything ready to go on time, but it but it but it's still it just might not be getting there. That said, it can't all be put on the on the carriers. There's the very real reality that 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 Nate laid out that there that there are labor shortages, and to that I'd add this is more of an issue last year than this year. But in in, in 2020, you know, the suppliers had to be careful about COVID. You know, they were you know in the, in the second quarter they were trying to keep some kind of operations going. You know, when we were having 50, 60, 70, 80, 100,000, you know, new cases diagnosed a day. So it, you had to be very careful about how you ran your workplace. So you couldn't just be going full tilt there the way that you normally would. So that that obviously slowed things down as well. So I think when you combine all those factors together, you get those numbers that you see there, CJ. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it was it was mentioned, obviously, staffing has been a major, major concern. Um, that's, you know, it's, it's infecting late product delivery. It's also infecting customer service. And we we hear it anecdotally um, as about sort of the rising annoyance or even animosity that's occurring between distributor and suppliers that they're, they're, they're both sort of kind of fed up with, with the other distributors because they're, they're, they can't get the, the, the quality customer service that these, that they expect and the, the lack of communication and suppliers have told us just basically that distributors are just failing to give them the wider berth that they need during these difficult times. And it's, been, it's really sort of infected the, the, the relationship currently. And, and you want to know what I have to say, and neither of them are wrong because sure. if I'm a distributor and I have an end client breathing fire down my neck because they need an answer on what something's going to cost and if something's available and I can't get them that answer in, in, in fast time, it's, they're not, the end client's not thinking or caring, frankly, about that the supplier is not responding to me with the information I need. You know, they're just thinking I'm a bum who's not, as the distributor, who's, who's not, who's not helping them. But then on the supplier side, they're saying, we're 10 people short in our customer service department. We're doing absolutely, you know, we're working around the clock and paying overtime to, to keep people around to try to service, but we just literally can't get, we, we physically can't get to everybody. So it's, I think both sides are, are, are just feeling so much heat from their respective customers. And there's just at this point, not a ton that you could do to correct it fast. Other than if you're the supplier, as Nate mentioned before, just pay super exorbitant rates to bring, to, to try to attract personnel in um, to serve in those customer service roles. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, so this, I think, you know, these issues, the supply chain issues, the sourcing issues, it, it leads into the next topic that I, I want to touch on. And Melissa, you could bring up the next chart. That would be great. Um, you know, this deals with the countries that the suppliers and distributors are sourcing from, particularly, uh, particularly China. Um, you know, China has been the predominant source in this in this industry of, of importing products, but as we see, it's coming in from other other countries. And here, here's the statistic that I'm referring to. 58% of suppliers have actively explored sourcing from new countries in the last 12 months, new countries besides China, due to uncertain trade situation with, with China. Um, there's a lot of, obviously a lot of factors going on. We asked that question sort of in a sort of tariff related, so sourcing related way. Um, obviously there's a whole lot of factors. Chris, you, you know, you wrote the article that appeared in our SOI issue. You're, you're quite familiar with with you know with the current situation. What what's the current mentality as far as China and looking at alternatives outside China? All right. So the, so the mentality is among your more proactive suppliers and and distributors you source from abroad. We need to move some production out of China, and they are. They're um, a great example. There's a company in Philadelphia, Pop. Pop promos, they're called. I think a lot of folks would be familiar with them. Um, they just, in June 2020, they, they, they started sourcing India, and it went so well that they start they set up a, you know, like a satellite office there to do that. And in a lot of ways, that move is representative of what a lot of suppliers are doing there. They are moving some production out of China because for a variety of benefits. Hey, we know the trade situation with China can be a, a little dicey. There's tensions between our, our countries, unfortunately, right? And that, that, that affects the business of importing. Um, you know, there's also just if there's a natural disaster or as we saw at the beginning of COVID in 2020, if there's COVID outbreaks that shut down factories, it's better to be to have a little bit of diversification at the least in your sourcing. All, all that said, though, all that said, China will, is ruling the roost still and will continue to rule the roost because they're. Their infrastructure that they have there, the raw materials that they have there, the producers that they have there, just there's no one else in the world that can match them yet or really likely anytime soon. Now, um, I think if you're if you're in the business of apparel manufacturing, it's a bit easier and probably more advantageous to move, um, you know, to 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 other countries because it's um, with apparel labor is, is your biggest labor cost to your biggest input. So you can get cheaper labor in other countries, but for certain hard goods where you need less labor and it's, it, it, it's, it's not necessarily your biggest input, China is likely to remain, you know, the ruler of, of that kind of manufacturing for, 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 for quite a bit. All that said though, there is growing diversification where there's China will compose less our manufacturing share, but will still be by far the majority. Yeah, when we looked into this, I'm trying to avoid the sunlight coming in through the various windows of my house right now. <laughs> you have the sun there? Good for you. It's, it's, it's sweating the thunderstorm here. Keep sliding around. Um, you know, it's, uh, everything Chris said is spot on. I, I think that not only our industry, but the like uh, America, right? We kind of got too dependent on one country prior to this <laughs> happening. Everything was China. It was cheaper. It was, you know, that's where we're going with. We're not, And we're not going to spend any time to build up some time and money to build up supply chain diversification. And so, you know, we got a hard lesson in that back before COVID hit us, when it hit them. Um, you hope this lesson has been learned. I do. I, 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 I mean, for our industry and our economy, I hope this lesson has been learned that it's important 
to have a diversified supply supply chain? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know that it has. I don't know that as soon as everything get, gets back to normal, people will start sourcing back from the place that's 5% cheaper than somewhere else mm-hmm. um, at their own peril. And that's that's a concern of mine. So if I'm, a, if I'm a business owner, I have to find a way to figure out how to do that. I don't want... I think it would be. Um, I, I get that there's. I get that there's cost implications. I get it's challenging, right? It's more difficult, right? It's not just push and play, but man, it's it's vitally important because you know. Never mind the supply chain, the tariff situation. There's a lot that can go wrong when it's only one country, especially when that one country we've had varying degrees of friendliness on uh, trade relations stage. So. I, I would love to. I know diversification is increasing. I saw the data. I know people say they are. I hope it continues and it doesn't revert to where it was because I'm not convinced that it won't. Yeah. And and just to even add to that, even as companies, you know, d- diversify, I think the deeper you get down the supply chain, the more you realize all roads really do like run to China in a way, because like you you may be building a certain product or assembling it in in, in, the, in India or wherever it may be or, or um you know, even in the Americas now, we're seeing more um, manufacturing starting to happen in, in Central America, Caribbean, et cetera. But a lot of times you're still sourcing some of the raw material from China. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's literally, so, so many things are interconnected and, and go through China. It's really, it, it, it's hard to fully kind of um, up them out or cut China, China producers out of, out of the supply chain. So I, I think there, there's definitely diversification is happening. I think it will continue to happen. But but I, I would really emphasize the point that I, I do think China will remain dominant, the dominant producer for our industry and many others for, for the foreseeable future. 100%. If, if you look at our coverage, you can see some of the uh, some of the, the um, alternative uh, the countries that, that that companies are using as alternatives, things like Mexico, India, Vietnam, and Bangladesh. And you can see where they re- relate in relation to, to China. That you know, Our data shows... China is still the, the still, still the dominant player, even as they explore these alternatives. And as you said, Chris, it'll be it'll likely be a slow process. Hopefully, mm-hmm. it, you know, we'll see if it if it means an active one. I uh, want to move to the next next topic here. We're going to talk about uh, sales and or sales like order values and and margins. Uh, obviously, these are things that took a took a major major hit la- last year. Um, here's one. This one example. I'll read. I'll read this one. I don't have a chart for it. So in 2019, the average order was nearly thirteen hundred dollars. Uh, you know, twelve thousand dollars. Twelve thousand forty-one dollars. In 2020, it was nine hundred and thirty-one dollars. So a drop of nearly three hundred dollars on the on the on the average average order. Um, you know, mar- margins took a, a similar toll here. And this and what we have we do have this chart. If Melissa, you don't mind pulling it up. Um, the data shows how margins were pretty much on a steady ascent. They dropped a little bit in 2019. Well, in 2020, they they took a, a more stark uh, plummet. Nate, Nate, we'll start with you. What what explains this drop? Oh, you mean other than the pandemic? You mean other than that? Okay. <laughs> well, sure, it's the pandemic. But in the <laughs> pandemic? <laughs> uh, listen, I mean, I don't even know that it was distributed. I don't know that it was end clients even pushing for lower prices. I think that's always been a case. I don't think that was the case. I mean, it's the product makeup. It was what was being sold, right? I mean, you know, you know, you're selling blank PPE. You're probably selling that at a slightly lower rate. It's not that you had to, but I think a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. Um, similar with other PPE, I think it was. A, I think I think that there was just a hit on profit margins, 
And, you know, it's potentially also that some of the higher profit margin items in this industry and the more expensive items weren't selling. There was no demand for them. There was nothing going on, but people needed them for a good part of the year. I mean, you know, Q2 and Q3 are not insignificant parts of this year. And if you go back to like figure mid-March through the, you know, Labor Day, through Labor Day, there wasn't a whole lot that was going on other than PPE. So yeah. like, it, I think it just has to deal with the product makeup, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Chris, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think I, I think Nate's right. Um, there is in in some of our reporting on this. I, I think this might be a representative example. There was a distributor, and um, and her firm they got uh, a huge order for bulk blank blank PPE. I think it ended up composing in just a, a gross revenue sense, like a quarter of their sales for for, for the year. But yeah. they um, they got an initial quote. They were there from a, a producer they were going to use in um, in China. The masks were viable. They were vetted. They were good. But then there was an order. I think a federal order that came out that you couldn't you couldn't buy that or something that affected that deal. So they then had to go source domestically for those same masks. On the initial order, they were only making a twelve to fifteen percent margin. But then when they went back to and they had a kind of resource, um, you know, from from a different provider, it knocked it down even the, the margin down even even more. Um, and so it was just kind of representative of how the whole PP thing was kind of the wild west there when it, when it, when it came to sourcing, you couldn't, because everybody was trying to get into it. You couldn't charge a lot to begin with. I think there was also an ethical dimension there too. People didn't, people felt like, you know, it would be wrong to be making 50% margin, you know, on, uh, on, on, on PP orders. And then you had complications kind of come up mid order where prices were changing or sources were changing. So I think you add all that in and, and it, it's a significant reason why it went down. I do think though, I'll add one other thing, sorry, that um, I think once business did start to come back, it's human nature. People were just so desperate to get like business churning again. And they were, I think, afraid of getting caught out on price and, and conscious of the fact that their, that their clients had been through often very difficult economic times too, that they didn't want to come in high on pricing. So they were coming in very, very low trying to make sure that they weren't going to intimidate anybody with price tags. So I, I think if you combine those factors in, you get those numbers you see there. Yeah, and one of the things I didn't mention was that one of the industries, one of the top five industries this year was government, right? Mm-hmm. We, we Government's never been a top industry and mm-hmm. a top, top client in this industry. But when you start dealing with governments, you're going into a different process here. You start to deal with the procurement process. So they start to scrutinize and it's open bidding. It's it's a very different scenario here. So while there was obviously some like, you know, government contracts, where they were like, okay, let's just sell, let's just get whatever we can. There was a lot that would have been done via a um, pro- procurement process. So that would have also put price pressures on. That's a great yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, and I know um, this from what, what what we've been rep- we've been reporting. Um, the kidding has really has really picked up. Obviously, it's been a huge it's been a it's been a huge trend. Um, kidding's a, a margin builder. Um, you know, grouping products together, getting 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 quality products. So, even though those margins dropped last year, if you combine um, if you combine the sort of the 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 huge amount of PPE that was sold in 2020. Um, and compared to 2021 with the increase in kidding, I expect those 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 margins to increase next year. Do you, do you agree, Nate? Yeah, kidding's kidding's here to stay. I think in many cases, right? That was something we never measured before this year. Sure. Um, so no, I think that kidding is certainly here. I, I, listen, margins are going to rebound, right? Everything's going to be rebounding. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't, this isn't a secret here, but when you look at what we do, when we look at, we look at the, um, my favorite, like, you know, graphic, which are the flows charts, which are the monthly ESP searches, mm -hmm. right? Um, regular products are back in, are back in vogue. They're back in charge. That's not, yep. that's not going to change. So with those, you're going to see a return of traditional profit margins without a doubt. Mm -hmm. um, Melissa, if you can bring up the next chart, I think, I think it should be the product chart because this actually will speak to what what we're talking about. Um, this is about the this is about products that are that were sold la last year, and I think if you look at in comparison to to this year, uh, if you look at last year, you know the health and safety pro products were I think a, a very minor. Um, they were a very minor component of our of our in industry. Um, so totally different story in in 2021. Here, so here here's here's the here's the chart. So again, um, health, health and safety, which was a category I don't think we ever sort of combined into a, a major thing. Um, in 2019, no. <laughs> in 2019, 2.8 percent. In 2020, a, qu a quarter of all products sold in the industry. Now compare that to, to shirts, right? T-shirts. T-shirts individually are the biggest product category in the industry. If you take all the different types of shirts combined, um, there were less shirts sold last year than health, health and safety products. An, an incredible reversal, right, Nate? It's insane. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like it, it's it make, like I get it, right? Intuitively, you know, intellectually, sure, I get it. Um, but we had to ha we had to add in a category for hand sanitizers and you know face masks. I mean, okay, right? That's that's like. You know, for it, we we are very very careful with the study to not change too much in terms of some of these questions, because when you do it, you, you impact the results, right? Um, but unfortunately, with what do we, you know, with with this year, we had really almost no choice. Like we had to, we had to break out these categories because they were the lifeblood of the industry, and they they I don't know that they they I would say they saved the industry. They saved some businesses in this industry, though. So, no, it was really important. When you start to see numbers like 25%, which equates to $5 billion, right? Jeez, man, that's insane. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's eye-popping as it is, given what we knew last year is like. It's not totally shocking, though, right? Because, like... Not all. There was... There was no events to give away cheap T-shirts at, for lack, for you know, to put it bluntly. There was no things where I needed, you know, there was you know, little league everywhere is canceled, so I don't need team team tees anymore or something like that, you know. And when you when you exponentialize those things out to every community across America, you get numbers um, like like, excuse me, like we're seeing here. Yeah. So none of these none of these being given out last year. Yeah. Uh, Nate, you you reference this. When we talk about so we we do in the, the, that monthly ESP data and so it shows what are the top products being ser searched for. Um, PPE products are no longer in in the top ten. They ha they haven't been for a, a couple months. So um, I think so we we uh, we we know obviously there's going to be less PPE sold this year than last year. The the sure. question that that I think is, is up for discussion um, is how much PPE is going to be sold. Is it going to completely fall off the cliff or is it going to fall somewhere in the middle? I mean, listen, it, it depends. I don't, I, don't, I don't know that. I mean, from an industry level, it's going to fall off a cliff, like just to be blunt. Like okay. right now, I would say it's going to fall off a cliff. Um, that would be my prediction too. <laughs> you know, that's hard to say considering that, you know, that's $5 billion. But that $5 billion, right, that's not going to disappear. That's going to be moving into other products. Um, I think the biggest challenge that this industry is facing right now are the supply chain issues. That's a problem. That's getting the products out there because the events are coming back 
I mean, you know, they are, there are, it's full capacity at sporting events. Um, concerts are, are fully back as of this month. Um, there's concerts going up in Persia, you know, Guns N' Roses performing it to a sold out crowd in Hershey, Pennsylvania, you know, like those, these things are back. Um, getting the products is going to be the thing. PPE is going to go away. Um, no matter what variants are out there, right? Um, the variants are going to be out there. They're going to be affecting people. And I think there's going to be an opportunity for individual distributors to sell PP, especially on, you know, depending on where they, you know, where they do business, where they live. Um, if you live in New Jersey right now, PP is, PP is dead. I mean, you know, and I think that's probably true in New York and along much of the, uh, you know, East, East coast. So that's really what it is, but no, it's going to, I think it's going to fall off a cliff. Yeah. I, I just, you know, in our, in our reporting, Nate kind of has macro numbers, we hear a lot of anecdotal stuff and just talking with distributors. And I, I mean, I can't tell me, tell you how many times I've heard over the last say eight to 10 weeks, PP is dead. I'm, I'm not doing anything with PP. Maybe, maybe I get like a branded mask that, that goes in as part of like a thank you package to healthcare workers or some, or something like that. But they're saying for the most part, they're not, they're not doing it. Now there are, there are there notable exceptions of a few distributorships that got so heavily into PPE that they actually started separate divisions of their business or, or even started a spinoff business where they're like got into what is truly like medical supply. Yes, there are business, but barring those guys, if you were just a distributor who was doing PPE, you're, you're not, you're not doing anywhere near if anything at all, what you were doing at this time last year. And, and one of the big reasons for that is there's just not the mass demand anymore for it. And then number two, the traditional supply chain for, for that PPE equipment ha has, has caught up. So um, the, the people that you might have been selling bulk blank PPE to are now going back to a lot of their tra tra traditional sources for their PPE needs. So I just I don't anticipate it being like uh, anywhere near the way it is. But to Nate, Nate made a great point. That, that it's not like that's just like, okay, it's gone. It's gone. And, you know, there's dollars that are going to be just directed elsewhere, I think. And it's, and as we're seeing with some of the ESP search data, it appears to be being directed for your more traditional promo items. So, which is where we want to be as an industry. We're not, we're not the medical supply industry. We're promotional products industry. But boy, boy, we, we were able to, we were able to become a medical supply Yeah, we switched pretty, hats pretty, pretty well. Damn quick, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's. Very good Let's uh let's go to the, the last chart we have, and this is about um about the the, the markets and the the most popular markets that distributors sell to. To Nate's point, like what, what were the results going to be? You know, this this is something that we forecasted in I think what it was in May or right right during the pandemic. We forecasted what the rest of the year looked like, and then we and and, and then we you know we surveyed the results and, and showed what what happened at you know in 2020. So the text is a little small here. Um, but the biggest point is there's really two clear-cut industries that rose above them all, uh, healthcare and education. Education was the number one industry, had been the number one industry for a decade, for a long time. Health, healthcare uh, over, overtook it. Um, and so, you know, is that, Nate, is that going to be the case next year? Is, is healthcare still going to be number one or is education going to, you know, take, resume its spot at the top? I don't, I don't know the answer to that, right? I would think it's probably going to be education. I think things are going to revert to more normal, normalcy. I guess you could say that makes you know whatever the whatever that means. Um, uh, they're going to be number one and two, without a doubt. Like they've been number one and two for quite a while. I, I, I think though that especially with almost all colleges and universities going back um, full time, 
in uh, Q3 in September, um, with most um, you know primary schools going back full time. Um, there's going to be a huge growth in the education. There's a there's a lot of pent up demand in that in that sector, mm-hmm. especially. Um, and there's a lot of demand not only amongst the consumers in that sector, but amongst companies to reach people in that sector. So incredibly important. So no, I think that's going to come back. Um, you know, gangbusters. I think there's going to be a lot of other events also. A lot of lot of other industries that have, you know, that were down. Right. That we're going to see an increase. Like, you know, it's funny, the, I don't, I don't know what it is nationwide, you know, in every single state, but around here, real estate is a absolutely, it's, it's mm-hmm. a huge, huge growth industry. Yeah. Real estate was down this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think, you know, well, why would that be? How could it be doing so good here, but not because where were they giving the things away to? Mm-hmm. Right? right. There were no, there were no events. You know, whenever I go to our local 4-H fair, you know, because I live in the sticks of Jersey, we have a 4-H fair. <laughs> um, there's real estate. There's multiple real estate agents there giving out stuff. All of that was gone. And that's where a lot of, you know, I think that that just speaks, it's a little microcosm of one industry. But I think that speaks to a lot of industries here. When things were down, even though the industries might be doing okay, did they really need the stuff because they couldn't give them away in the traditional ways? Whereas things like hospitality, which I thought was going to be a lot further down than it was, they were only closed for a little bit of time and they still needed a lot of things. No matter whether people were traveling, they needed a lot um, for their own employee safety and for their facilities. So in that respect, I think, I think it was just a crazy year. I think things are going to revert back to be more, you know, quote unquote normal next year. Um, And I think education will retake number one, but it's not going to be, um, quite as big as it has been in the past years. Cool. And Melissa, if you'll, you can take down the chart, you're, you're, all, you're off duty now as far as chart, charts go. Um, Chris, um, you know, in your, just in your discussions with distributors, what are you hearing? What, what, what markets are, 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 are popular right now? Okay. At, at the moment, it's, it may sound like an odd answer because it's not maybe what we would think of as a traditional market. But if you look across industries, what there's huge demand for right now is anything that can help with recruitment, um, hiring, and and retention because of those labor shortages we we mentioned before. There's a lot of there's a lot of desire to show appreciation to employees that are there, and also desire to welcome new new hires that are coming on. And as all of our research shows, using tangible branded products to do that plays a, plays a significant role in, in, in helping those things. So that's, that is a huge opportunity right now. What's starting to really burgeon, and this has really happened in the last, say, six weeks or so as a major opportunity, is those return of events that, that we've talked about. Things are truly coming back on, like Nate mentioned it, there's concerts again. Sport, sporting events around much of the country are, are, are at or close to, to, to capacity again. There's demand for promotions for for, for, the, for those things once more. So just just the return of in-person events. Even you know, um, saw an article in our local uh, news the other day just about you know um, nightclubs in the Philadelphia area and bars are, are reopening and they have in, they have inside con, you know uh, shows scheduled again. They're all looking for merchandise to welcome people back. So anything in-person related is um is is big. Uh, the education market and what we would think of as a traditional market uh, is is yes, it's it's popping and it's going to continue to. Um, really, that's been happening for weeks already at, in, in anticipation of the college, uh, you know, the restart of, of university and the return of secondary school, all all that stuff. Um, 
healthcare, even though there's not the PPE demand that there once was, there is um, there is still desire and there's, I think, strong desire for there not only to thank employees for everything that they've done and, and, and you know, rewards and appreciation gifts, but also because, you know, you don't realize this, but a, a lot of healthcare providers were down last year. They made a lot less revenue last year because people weren't coming in for elective procedures or they just weren't visiting the doctors as much. But, but they still have marketing dollars to spend. And now people can do those things again. So it's very it's it's a high level of competition to actually attract um, their patients. But but they view them as customers to, you know, back to their facility. So they're using various marketing channels, including promotion of products to do that. So I think that's um that's another hot one. This one may sound counterintuitive, but the hospitality industry as well. Everything's everything's starting to open back up. Visitors, bureaus. They, and, you know, they're looking to um, attract people. They want to market. They realize now is the time. So those are, those are some areas I'd be devoting attention. And to Nate's point, too, yeah, definitely real estate. I mean, there's more realtors in this country than there are homes for sale. And they're and they're competing in a, in a blazing hot housing market. So any advantage they could gain, I'm sure they would like to have. Yeah, I think hospitality and to that point, government are going to actually there's, there's still going to be money there. And I'll tell you why, because I don't know if you've noticed, but on TV, there's a lot of advertisements. Come visit our state. Come here. We're open mm-hmm. for business. Mm-hmm. You know, come to come to Virginia, Virginia. Well, you know, there's there's a lot of that. Where they're, they're, they're now all of a sudden fighting again where they might not have in the past had to fight for dollars. Mm-hmm. Right now they have to. And they recognize that, you know, we revenge travel is real. Right. Mm-hmm. People are people want to go places trying to figure out where to go and these company all and these um businesses and states are going to be fighting for them yeah so to, to wrap up here nate i'll start with you um what do you think the rest of the year is going to look what look like business-wise economically and what and what should distributors and suppliers be on the lookout for it's going to be challenging i mean i'm not going to lie like it's going to be challenging but it's going to be challenging for different reasons it's going to be challenging because your people are going to have to be patient um they're going to have to level set with their clients um and that's a that suppliers level setting with distributors and that's distributors level setting with their with the end buyers right because things are going you need to plan ahead that has been a mantra in this industry and of the soi for as long as i can remember plan ahead get your orders and don't wait till the last minute well now it's necessary now it's not just a nice to have now if you want your products in hand you need to plan ahead and not talking you know not seven days right weeks, months ahead. If you know you're going to do it, don't hesitate. You have to you have to order it now. Um I, I think it's just going to be people just getting back to normal though. I think it's going to be people are people are aching for that. Um you know there's not I don't I don't necessarily foresee any big disruptions from a product point of view. Um you just hope that the supply chain the supply chain opens up. If the supply chain opens up um, that'll be great for this industry. That'll be great for the economy. That'll be great for everyone. Um, that I think is the biggest risk, risk right now. So if I had to say, I think, I think things are going to continue to open up, but it's going to, you got to be patient and there's still, gonna, that, that, that's going to be the big, biggest challenge. Chris, what, what, what are your views about what, how the rest of the year is going to play out? Yeah, I think that, I think on a positive sense, we're going to see c- continued, very, very strong demand from, from end clients. Uh, really across most industries, especially ones that were down hard during the pandemic and are are now um, looking to come back. Um, That's, of course, barring a nightmare scenario involving like a variant of COVID or something that's going to reforce us back into the horrors that we saw last year. So as long as that nightmare scenario doesn't happen, I continue to see that, you know, good positive momentum and demand for our products. 
there will though also through the year continue to be um, you know challenges with uh, product availability, uh, inventory, rising prices on on products, and um, you know a, ability to fulfill orders on time. And I, I don't think that that's anybody's fault. It's just the it's just the reality of the marketplace that we're operating in right now. So to Nate's point, to the extent that you can get clients to plan ahead, particularly for custom projects and for big time, high volume, high spend. Um, Q4 holiday time initiatives. You really want you really want to try to do that. I do think that um, that we're going to be up at, as an industry this year. I'll go out on a limb and and and, and make that that prediction. If we're, um, if we're, if we're not, there's big big issues. Coming. Yeah, yeah. So so um, so I so you know, how much? I think it's more of a question of just how much. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be bumpy. It's going to be you know bumpy sledding, but it's we're on an upward trajectory, and we have to keep that that ultimate positive point in mind. Okay, great. So even though we talked for a while here and covered a bunch of topics, this is just merely the the appetizer that is the uh, the, the buffet that uh, a state of the industry. And um, you can see a lot a lot more data, a lot more co coverage, all, all these major issues in our SOI package. So once again, um, for for print, you'll you'll be receiving seeing it uh, soon if you haven't already. Online for ASI members, you you can get you can get it at asicentral.com/soi. 2021 and it's on our asicentral.com slash news homepage. Um, you, you won't you won't miss it. And I believe if you just go to stateoftheindustry.com, that should also redirect right Ooh. to that page. Oh <laughs> awesome. Now now we gotta make sure sure of Nate. Since you said it, you spoke it into existence. So we have to I, mean, I could have right told now. you that earlier. I just wanted to keep reading it off. <laughs> awesome. Um, so thank thank you, Nate and, and Chris, for your insights and thank you, you know, everybody for for joining us today. Have a great day.